0: Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie Swedberg. Welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. And today we're going to be doing some business training with our special guest, Melin Issa of planningyourleap.com, and we're going to talk about seven keys to starting a profitable business. During this next hour, you are going to discover the type of startup that usually fails and how you can avoid that. Also, the most important questions to answer before you quit your day job, the critical pricing and selling mindsets to adopt before pricing your products and services, how to market your business, and what you must avoid no matter what, when you can expect to get paid and or get paid back, and uh, some startup calculations, as well as creative funding sources to help you get going. And our guest today, Melinda Issa, is a sales and business coach who works with aspiring part-time and new entrepreneurs to launch and grow their businesses. She partners with her clients to figure out their gifts and talents, explore opportunities that are aligned with their interests and purpose, create strategies to launch their businesses, and develop sales skills and mindsets, gain confidence, and clarity, and so much more. Her website, again, is planningyourleap.com. Welcome to you, melon Hi, Marnie. How are you? I'm doing great, and it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for coming today. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, and I'm excited to kind of just pick your brain about this topic of how to start a profitable business because so many people um, – you know, a lot of times because my husband and I own businesses, people will say, "Well, can we just talk to you and you know, pick your brain about it?" And it's it's amazing to me how many times they don't even really know what questions to ask, or like, yeah. um, you know, it's it's just so overwhelming. It's a lot to think about. And you've got seven keys here for us today uh, to help make sure that you're ready to go into business with your eyes open. So let's go ahead and dive right in to the first one because it's kind of, you kind of come about this at the, at the backwards way here. You say the type of startup that usually fails and how to avoid this. So I'm yeah. curious to know, what are we avoiding? What do we want to just steer clear of at <laughs> all costs?
1: well you know the, the the reason i I wrote this book was because I have been you know been seeing a lot of people start their business and then they launch and then they go into it full time and then two years later they they would say to me, "Oh you know what i I need to start looking for a job because I'm just not making it i it's, i my savings is just you know emptying out, so I need to start looking for a job and the thing that I discovered uh, was that, and this is partly based on my own experience as well as from other entrepreneurs, is that it's not so much the type of startup that fails. It's really what's, what that particular startup was built upon. So it's really about the foundation of that startup. So the, the first one that you have to think about is like why are you – in business why do you want to start this business because if you say oh i just want to make money because i heard so and so down the road is in network marketing and he's making all this money well that's that person down the road's idea it may not be what's for you you need to come up with why you want to start a business and it, it doesn't always have to be about money i mean money is a factor but you have to dig deeper, you have to know for sure why you're going into this uh, business, because you know you and I know Marnie having a business is not rainbows and unicorn right right yeah <laughs> yeah, so so you need to look into that, and then you need once you figure out why you you want to get into business then are you clear on who your customer is, who your ideal customer is? And most people aren't clear when they first start out, because, and, and they should, because if you don't know who you are targeting, let's say you're a web designer, if you don't know who you're targeting, then who are you going to approach to, to sell your product or your business? or your service so you need to really know exactly who your customer is and then after that you need to definitely have your marketing and sales process in line because without the your sales and marketing you know those are the the the, the lifeblood the <laughs> lifeblood of your business so you need to get that really down and solid before you actually you know launch your business full-time, and then there's the money aspect of it. People want to do things, bootstrap things. Well, you know, I get it because that's what I did, but there are some things when you do bootstrapping is that you're going to trade time with money. So if you're not skilled in creating a website, Well, hire somebody. You spend the money because you might spend a week creating a website, which isn't even necessary at the very beginning when you start your business. And then who are the people that you have around you? Who is your support team? So you you need to have all those in place in order to have a really good chance of having a profitable business. And if you ever look at other businesses that, that fail, it's one of those things that, that uh, are lacking in the
0: business. So are these, uh, the the, fail- the reasons for failure then, are they also the most important questions then? They are,
1: and they are all pretty much equal, even though, you know, you want to talk about sales and marketing being really important, but if you cannot even understand who your client is, then your sales and marketing is just not going to hit the mark. You know what I mean? Uh, so you need to be clear on all of those. And, and the money issue, okay, so maybe you're selling and you are marketing, but then if you have no cash flow, you have no money in the bank to pay your expenses, then, you know, it's still not working out. So So all these play a very integral part in your business.
0: Okay, so I've got four questions here or four, um, four reasons for failure here. And let's, okay. let's leave sales and marketing, the process of that to the side. So that leaves us with three. Okay. Let's go back and dissect these a little bit. So yeah. the first one is, um, why are you in business anyway? And if you go into business for the wrong reasons or without reasons, uh, that is going to really jeopardize the likelihood of your success. So what are some of the right reasons that people go into business? What, what, what is critical for you to hear when you're talking to a somebody who's looking to go into business, what are you looking for them to have as a reason?
1: First and foremost, what I'm looking for is that they are not thinking of this as a way out. of of. Uh, it's not an easy path out of something else they are into, you know, they're currently in. For example, if you are an employee and you just hate your boss, hate your job, hate everything about your company, you know, it doesn't mean that you should find you know start a business it might just mean you just hmm. need to find another employer you know so it's it, because business ownership is beyond beyond the the challenges and the growth in yourself is way beyond you would expect to get as an employee so when I talk to my uh, prospective clients those who are coming to figure out whether business uh, business building is for them I would ask them so okay why do you want to start this business? And they might say, oh, because I want to leave a legacy for my kids. And then I I would ask them, then what does that mean? You know, you, you need to dig deeper other than this very cliche words that you hear these days. Oh, I want to reach my purpose. Like, what exactly does that mean? You have to go way beneath that and get and tap into the emotional part of it. Because, you know, as human beings, we do things emotionally. We buy emotionally and then we justify it with logic. So you need to get, dig, dig, dig way in there to figure out why you're doing this. And, and a good reason would be that, you feel that this is the way for you to create um, to create not only time with your family because you have been traveling all over the country. You you are spending 70 hours with your uh, employer because you're traveling, so you only see your kids maybe on the weekend one day, and, and that's a good reason. But behind this reasoning, you have to also think about the process and the, the changes your life will be if you do, you do go down the path of building your business. So mm. do you have that tenacity in you? Do you have that passion to make it work? So you have mm. to, you know, I have to hear it and I have to feel it from you. If it's very, you know how, how sometimes you can gauge whether it's a person's really serious just by conversing with them and, and you, you can get this, Palpable energy, you know, in their voice, in their demeanor, and I have to hear that because otherwise you're just probably listening to the news or listening to your friends or listening to your coworker or somebody else who's successful that you see the success but you didn't see the work behind it, and you're <laughs> you, you right. can't yeah you can't even buy a, a successful business and expect it to run. Successfully, if you're checked out, you you expect it to run without your effort. There, right, Marianne, are you Because you bought a uh, a restaurant, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and you work in your restaurant. You you are passionate about it, so it, it, you have to have that that inner inner oomph. <laughs> I guess you can say
0: that you right. want
1: this. You want this really bad.
0: Yeah. No, I love it. And passion was the word that was coming to my mind. And it's passion is different from a fleeting idea that just flutters across your mind and you get all excited about it. That's, you know, that's intrigue or whatever. But passion... Passion is something that comes from very, very deep inside of you, um, mm-hmm. and, and it's the kind of idea, the business idea that just doesn't go away. You keep thinking about it. You see it, and you think about it again, and you see it, and you think about it, and it just doesn't go away, and you start to realize, oh, there's a way for me to do this, for me to actually make a change in my life that's going to allow me – to uh, do this as a business, you know, and then so that was the first one, you know, the wine business, The, the second one was who's your ideal customer, which is so important for you to do a market study, and to actually find out if there's enough people out there who need what you are wanting to sell or offer, and who are able to pay for it. And that's the third part of it is the money part. And we're going to come back after break and talk a little bit about, um, you know, pricing and selling and the mindsets you have to have before you go into that piece of it. But from your experience, and, and I know that we watched this um, in business, the, the businesses, when we bought our retail store, there were five of them that went for sale at the same time. Um, and we're the only one left. But what we noticed was that if there wasn't enough money to, Um, support the business once they bought it okay so they had enough money to buy it but then they couldn't they couldn't support it once they bought it there was no money to back it up then they Mm -hmm. they had to they had to close it because there just wasn't the money there to get it get it going and so that's that you know that that money side is important that you don't invest every penny that you've got starting it because you're going to have to have some money to run it while it's getting off the ground. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with our guest, Melanie Issa of planningyourleap.com. We're going to come right back and talk about the critical pricing and selling mindsets to adopt before pricing your products and services. We'll be right back.
2: An author or do you know someone who would like to see their book published as soon as possible join us at marnie.com for author training you will learn how to write it well get great graphics attract an agent format it for e-readers get good reviews connect with libraries and market via media all over at the author training at marnie.com check it out today Welcome back. We are doing some business
0: training today. Seven keys to starting a profitable business, and our guest, Melan Isa, is from PlanningYourLeap.com. You want to go over and check out her website as well as her great book by the same title. Uh, Melan, we're going to talk right now about the critical pricing and selling mindsets to adopt before pricing your products and services. So, you know, in the first part, we were talking about the number one thing to avoid, and I'm going to I'm going to start here with that too because. Um, what is the what is the number one mistake that you see people make when pricing when pricing their products?
1: Uh, they haven't done their research. <laughs> yeah, not
0: enough research,
1: right? Yeah, you know. Okay, there's two categories really. When we talk about pricing, let's say we are talking about products. So you need to figure out what is out there in the market and see how your product compares to, to that. And it doesn't mean that you have to price your product lower than your competitor. It just means that there is a certain uh, range that people are willing to spend money on. And the thing that I find, and you can see this, you know, it's the, you, know you can see this, on Amazon, if you Google, uh, I mean, not Google, but you, you search on Amazon and on anything really, uh, let's say yoga mat, for example, if you search on that, you can see there are price disparity. And that's usually because there are uh, certain suppliers or certain sellers that are just throwing it out there, you know, throwing the the their uh, their image for their yoga mat and that's not a lot of description but they price it so low that you know for some people that's good enough they'll go for the low items, uh, low price item and they'll get what they get but the ones that are higher end tend to have more descriptions on it they might have a, even a video along with it so there is a perception of value so you can price it further uh, higher than your competitor on the the services part then you need to look at your other competitors let's say you're a web designer again you look at what is out there and and make comparison in prices but again we go back to to the philosophy of you don't have to offer your services at a lower price. When you figure out what your pricing is going to be, it will depend on the quality of of service you're going to provide to your customer, um, and you know, and add some bonuses on top of it. You know, things like that can create the perception of value. So that's what you need to think about when you decide on your pricing.
0: Yeah, I think it was so helpful for us when we bought our restaurant. Um, we got a restaurant consultant that came with one of the programs that we were involved in at the time. Mm-hmm. And he came to our business a couple, three times and he helped us with the pricing and he helped us with the different things. And one of the things that he said that was so important for me to hear as a new business owner was that we needed to decide what kind of restaurant we were going to be. And yeah. he went on and he decided, he described it in this way. He said, you know, my wife has three favorite West restaurants in our city he said one of them is her favorite just because she likes the food so much and she's willing to go there and pay for the food whatever it costs because she just likes the food another one yeah. she loves the food but they offer coupons all the time and so she waits until she sees a coupon and then she goes ahead and does that particular kind of food because she loves the food but yeah. she waits for yeah. the coupon another yeah. one they have daily specials and so she knows which day of the week they have her favorite <laughs> thing and <laughs> so she goes there on that day of the week he said yes yeah. You have a decision to make right now as a new business owner. What kind of restaurant are you going to be? And Melanie, you know, that was really helpful for me because I didn't realize that people actually, um, as humans, that we do that. We actually say, you know, okay, I'm going to go here because they have a dollar menu or I'm going to go here because I like the taste and I really don't care how much it costs. You know, we have these things in our head. But as a business owner, we have to recognize that. So I'm thinking about like someone who's offering consulting services or whatever. That can be a huge different range of costs in that, um, anywhere from a very small to humongous amount of money for the same hour or 10 hours of service. So as somebody's doing their research and they're seeing this disparity out there in the pricing, like you said, yoga mats. Okay, so maybe for a yoga mat, let's say that the cheapest one that you're going to get in three to four weeks from across the ocean and it doesn't have any description, you know, whatever, it's going to cost you $9 and then it goes all the way up. Maybe you could buy a yoga mat for $150 from Sharper Image or something. So, yeah. when you're looking at pricing, do you have like a way for them to, um, for them to kind of bring it down to how do I decide which one I'm going to be?
1: Yeah, I usually look like you were saying. You know, do you want to be the low cost leader like Walmart, or do you want to be uh, more on the on the quality side? So you need to decide which way you're going because uh, when you're uh, selling products, you usually it usually depends on who your suppliers are, anyways, because you know different suppliers have different quality, right? So once you decide whether you are going to be the low cost uh, supply, uh, low cost seller, and your your business plan is to sell. Millions of yoga mats, <laughs> and that 's right. how you 're going to make money then that's that 's the way it is, but it 's a grind and and it's such a competitive market, but you have to realize that but if you're going down the the high quality yoga mat end and i can 't even remember the name of the that particular brand, but they are on Amazon, and their yoga mats are beautiful, they have prints on it, and if you want to be the design high value right. High perceived value. Then you need to follow through with that. And and if in competition with somebody else who's also providing high quality products, then you need to differentiate yourself. As as they say, that that what's your unique selling proposition, your USP. So you need to figure out where you want to. To, to land on. And it doesn't mean that that is where you're stuck in. Um, it could be that you decide, okay, you know what, high-end yoga mat is not my, my thing. You can always reduce the price as long as you're meeting your margin because people are, are totally okay with price going down and paying for something that's a bit <laughs> right. less in price than right. bump, have, you know, having to pay for the same thing for $5 more. Right. So well, you have to think of that.
0: Right. It is interesting to me, too. We had something interesting happen locally. A restaurant came in, and they came in with really low prices. But what they did is they mm-hmm. dissected every meal so that you'd pay for your. Um, You'd pay for your sandwich, and then you'd pay for your french fries, and then you'd pay for your, uh, you know, everything was separate. And so it appeared to be a very low-cost option. And they got a reputation their first year for being super cheap. Well, the second Mm -hmm. year, they came back, and they were a little bit more expensive. By the third year, they were kind of pretty expensive. But it was interesting Mm -hmm. to me how people still had in their mind that Mm -hmm. they were really cheap. And so, what's interesting is that you, as a you as a business, you don't recognize that people are making judgments about you as much as they are, and it's a very subconscious. And once you're locked in, you're locked in. Uh, for instance, our restaurant doesn't do cheap. Um, we we have great food. The quality is excellent. People come from all over to enjoy our food, and they tell us, you know, this is the best. The, the, a guy was up recently. He said from Chicago, this is the best pizza I've had. Well, we are we're in northern minnesota how can somebody from chicago say that but it's really good food yeah. so when you have something that you say this is a value and it is going to cost a little bit more you just have to be tough you have to have thick skin because i mean i just this week somebody just begged me please can you give us a deeper discount whatever and you know sometimes you can but you have to know okay this is how much this costs this is why mm-hmm. we're pricing it this way. How, when are we going to give? When are we not going to give? You know, I mean, it's just yeah. all of these are decisions that have to be made with the pricing. And yeah. I think is, is it, when it comes down to it from my perspective, when it comes down to it, the most important decision is who am I personally and how will I be at peace? So yeah. it has to be congruent with who you are. You're going to have to be able to stand behind your decisions and feel good about them and, and go to sleep at night and, you know, have it be okay with you. So when I say that, what is that bubble to the surface for you?
1: Well, you know, I think this is, this is really tough for people when they provide service. And I completely understand when you're, let's say, you're a life coach or a consultant, with, you know, with small business owners, for example, because you always get people coming in saying, could I get a discount? Or, wow, you're too expensive versus the other coach down the road or something like that. And and you are right in the sense that you definitely need to understand your value and hold on to that, that uh, value that you have in your, your head because there will always be discounters, you know. <laughs> there will always be somebody who wants a discount. And then you need to think, is this the client I want to work with? A client who only, who, whose main value system is the price. Yes. So you need to think about that.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's it, what's coming to. I mean, it's it's interesting because you just said you know that this is what happens to um, consultants and coaches and whatever offering mm-hmm. services but this is what happens in stores and restaurants as well just yesterday in our store we had a customer came in and she wanted uh, something was on sale and she uh-huh. wanted 36 of them and she wanted a deeper discount so oh, wow. and, and just, just two days before someone else came mm-hmm. into the restaurant same thing they wanted it less expensive than what you're selling it for so it happens all over you guys and it's not about you it's about the yeah. customer, the customer that yeah. does that is in the mindset, and I love what you said right there. The customer that does that is in the mindset that they never pay full price for anything. I just am not that person. I'm not the person who pays full price for anything. And you yeah. have to ask yourself, okay, then is that the person that you want to work with the rest of your life, or are you going to pick mm-hmm. people who are comfortable to say things cost money? This is how much mm-hmm. this costs. I'm willing to pay this amount. You know, I yeah. mean, it's, it's two different customers. It really is.
1: Yeah, and, you know, don't take a lot of these things personally because, you know, especially when you talk exactly. about pricing and sell, sales, when you get a no when you're trying to sell something and you get a no, it's not you. It <laughs> truly isn't you. The the closest thing that has to do with you is that maybe you didn't present your product or your service well during the sales conversation. That's it, you know. It's not you on a personal level. Um, and, and I have to admit, as a consumer, I do ask for discounts, <laughs> but, right. uh, yeah, yeah. but again, but again, we go back to this, um, you know, if you, if you have a business, are you setting yourself up as the low-cost leader, or are you setting up as the, the value, high-quality leader? Um, and I wouldn't even think about asking for a discount from, you know, some of the dessert, store, dessert shops that I go to, because it, it would just never occur to me. I know the price. The price is the price. You know, it would never occur to me to ask them that.
0: And I think it's such a good thing that you brought up there, too, because I think especially as women, oh, my goodness, we do. We're price shoppers, and we look for the best deal. We just do. We're trained that way. You know, that's kind of how Mm -hmm. our training is, that if we don't do that, we're not a good shopper. And so I'm not criticizing that. We're not criticizing that at all. What we're saying is that you as a business owner, when you're starting your new business, you have to decide where you're going to draw the line and where you're going to, you know, give something away. And honestly, in yeah. our restaurant and in our retail store, you can always find something on sale. Always. We always have sales going on somewhere in the store, somewhere in the restaurant. Yeah. Something is on sale for the people who really don't, aren't going to buy it unless it's on sale. Uh, yeah. We don't want to just say we don't, you know, value you. We do value them as well. But we can't have yeah. everything on sale every day or else we're going to go out of business.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, to illustrate the point is, uh, case study, J C Penney. You know, J C Penney yeah. used you know do the coupon thing. Yeah, there was this whole deal that they decided to revamp. I guess they got a new CEO or, or whatever, and uh, and they decided to revamp their business model with not offering coupons anymore. And you know, people freaked out because J C Penney was known as the coupon thing. Um, so you know, so you have to remember when you first start your business. What kind of business would you want it to be? What Where you want it to land? The, the, the cheap, grind it out, sell millions of things? Or do you want to be perceived as the, the quality leader? Mm, yeah,
0: wherever in between. There are such good words. Well, we're going to come right back and talk about how to market your business and what you must avoid and when you can expect to get paid back or when you can expect to actually get paid. We'll be right back. <laughs> okay.
2: Do you lead a women's Bible study or know someone who does? Check out BibleStudyExpo.com. That's www.BibleStudyExpo.com. Here you'll meet the authors of the most recently released Bible study books for women. You'll meet Liz Curtis-Higgs, Lisa Bevere, Pam Farrell, Elisa Morgan, and dozens of other Bible study book authors. Each author is given 15 minutes to share the story behind her book for ideal audience and a little bit about the study's format so you can decide which Bible studies you want to introduce next. It's all available available to you free and online at www.biblestudyexpo.com that's www.biblestudyexpo.com
0: Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg, and we're visiting today with our guest, Melan Issa of planningyourleap.com. Welcome. And uh, we are talking about seven keys to starting a profitable business. During this segment, we want to talk about how to market your business and when you can expect to get paid or get paid back. Melon, when um, people are starting into business, money is a big deal. Usually, Um, uh, probably the most common scenario is that you scrimp and save and you invest everything you've got just to get going. But um, that leaves you pretty flat footed then, unless you have just customers flying in the door to help you pay for all your overhead and your expenses for the first few months or even for a year sometimes or longer. Um, It's pretty tough to do. When you work with uh, someone who's thinking about going into business now, do you have – a standard or a way to think about that in advance? Uh, There is. I mean, of course, we always,
1: always, always start out with who is your ideal customer because without that knowledge, without that acceptance, then, you know, your marketing uh, efforts and your marketing spend, you know, is just going to go haywire. So you need to definitely know who your ideal customer is are who they are and then you have to know where they spend time you know where they hang out and yeah you can still do it relatively cheaply uh, but it just will take time Uh, so like I I mentioned earlier you know whenever you decide to not spend the money on something it just means the trade-off is going to be time so uh, so I I would ask like how much time do you want to spend doing this marketing, and how much are you willing to spend on it? Um, and that will really take us in the direction the path that uh, you know the path that we would do for that particular person for that particular uh, client of mine. Um, so it really depends. So that's the that's really a good start. You have to figure out what your your, your customer, who your ideal customer is, where they spend time, uh, most of their time, where you can find them. And then you have to determine how much money you're willing to
0: spend and how much time you're willing to spend on your marketing. Hmm. So I I'm used to hearing now the word avatar where you come up with a really a picture of this person who is your ideal uh yeah. customer. I mean, you get mm-hmm. to know like in my case it's always a her. You get to know her. <laughs> you get to yeah. know her. In fact, I know I know I my avatar is so clear in my head that she's mm-hmm. almost like a real person. Like I can see her hair and her face and, yeah. you know, what she's what kind of handbag she's got right down to it. And of course there's more women than just that one profile that fit for yeah. me. But at the same time, uh, this is a very clear picture for me. I'm not just shooting At at every person in the world, I've got this picture of who I'm here to serve. And that's really important to start there. I I love that that's where you're having people start also with the ideal customer. And then once you know who she is or who he is, then you're going to say, okay, where does this person hang out? Mm -hmm. And before you spend a penny in marketing, you're going to want to really find out where they are because you could spend, like you said, I mean, Money in marketing can flow like, oh my goodness! <laughs>
1: well, especially in your in your business, in the restaurant business. I mean, restaurants uh, is a very uh, risky business because just you, you know what you lay true. out, you
0: know. I, and, business, and, I mean, we have we have a retail store as well as an online business. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, marketing money just goes super fast, and if you don't have a way yeah. to track it. Uh, you don't even know what's working. And, and I can just, I don't know, here's what I say, and and then I want you to say what you say because uh, it may be totally mm-hmm. different which would be fine to have a different perspective too. Sure. But I just say, if you can't track it, then you must assume that it's not working. That's what I say.
1: Yeah, I would completely agree with that because the thing is, you know, you definitely, once you know, we talk about the avatar, we talk about uh, what are what's unique about you that's different from your competitor but there's always you have to have a plan for the marketing you know and you have to be able to measure it and and having a Facebook ad to get like you know what what does that mean you know how does that translate to actually paying customers because I do get slightly irritated when people would say to me, oh, I'm going to put Facebook ads to get likes. You know, I want likes. I'm I'm like, okay, so what? (laughs) So so you have to have that strategy, too, that's measurable. Uh, You know, where do you spend most of your marketing uh, money, Marnie? Is it more on um, paper or is it online mostly?
0: Well, it kind of depends again. Like we have we we have three businesses, but um, you know, so it totally differs. But what I don't do is I don't Mm -hmm. spend money just getting name awareness. If I'm Coke or Pepsi. I can afford to do that and I need Mm -hmm. to do that, but I'm not Coke or Pepsi. And the world is a big place. (laughs) You're just going to get washed away with the ocean. So you need to be very, very clear about it. And so what we do is we only do the type of things that we can track. So with the restaurant or with the retail store, whether it's a handout and, and, you know, we've tried all of these uh, so many, so many things, but what we know (laughs) is that if, if, if we pay five dollars you know Mm -hmm. so maybe we paid twelve hundred dollars for the marketing campaign and it ends up that so many people come back in and we've paid five dollars for each person who redeems a coupon Mm -hmm. well we have to know then okay if this if this customer has a lifetime value of of ten thousand dollars Okay, that's worth it then. But if this customer has a lifetime value of $100 or whatever, then you have to just say, okay, wait a second. Is that really worth it? And you have to know these things like your lifetime value of your customer and to to figure that out you know you just say okay how much are they going to spend on average and you can tell that by your your ticket item you know if somebody's just mm-hmm. going to buy the yoga mat or are they also going to buy the leotard and the dumbbells and you know i mean what are yeah. they going to buy with that what's your average sale going to be and then how often are they coming back how often do you need a new yoga mat maybe once every 10 years so yeah. uh, so you know it's like okay my average sale is going to be one yoga mat well then you'd better mm-hmm. not be spending five bucks getting the customer to your site uh, to buy the ad, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, when somebody is just starting out, I get it that you don't have a ton of money and you're probably thinking, like, what is Melinda Marty talking about? How am I going to, to uh, track all this? Well, there are usually mechanisms behind what you're trying to do. Uh, if you do the ads, for example, through Facebook, Facebook is fabulous in the sense of they do have – Uh, numbers behind the scenes that you can take a look at. And then a lot of people who do um, selling uh, and advertising through Facebook, what they do is they do what we call a split test. So they're trying to see whether this offer or that offer will result in more more people looking at your ads and clicking on that ad, and then if you don't have any money at all, what you could do is you know offer up on your website, um, you know like a giveaway, and this is how a lot of people do list building, and um, and you could use Bitly, you know the Bitly links, which is a shortener for your URL. Bitly will track your the, how many people click on that URL. But the thing is, the only minus about it is that it's not so refined. So you only see clicks. So if, if one person clicks it ten times, you will see it ten times. But at least you can, you can get a feel of how much people are looking at it. Because I'm only now on Twitter and I... I post my uh my my own podcast shows on it and I can tell which is the, which, which are the shows from Twitter that are coming in that people are interested in. So, so I look at the clicks for that, for what, what I tweet, and I tend to tweet more of that particular episode because it seemed to resonate with somebody. So that's, that's just some of the more bootstrapping ways of trying to track your numbers. That's just you know, one of the ideas out there.
0: Yeah, I like to um, to just remember that when you are thinking marketing, you have to think like from start with the end in mind. So have a picture in your mind of the person either uh, clicking the final button on your, on your uh, sales page and then what happens or them being at the counter in your store and then what happens because it's actually at that moment, that you Mm -hmm. have to exceed their expectations or all of your efforts will just vanish with that sale. You'll have that sale, but that'll be the end of the relationship, and that cannot happen. When you're in business, you've got to have a relationship with these customers and clients Mm -hmm. so that when they do a transaction with you, that's actually the beginning of the relationship, and you want them to either come back for more or tell their friends about you. One of those two or both of them have to happen if you're going to stay in business, and that's actually your best marketing right there. If I were to sum up what we do for marketing, The thing we do best is we give over-the-top excellent service. We have yeah. great tasting food. We have great products at reasonable prices. We have great services. And they're priced correctly. They're not outrageously priced. They're also not rock-bottom mm-hmm. prices. They're just right in the middle where somebody would expect to pay. And then we give really great service. We really care about our customers and our clients, and they can tell that. And so they come back and they tell their friends. And really, I believe that's why we're still in business, not because of Facebook ads or because of newspaper ads. But yeah. those, things, those things supplement Uh, all of the work you can do because the only thing you can do with an existing client is just, you know, delight them. You can do that. Yeah, But you can't, like, clone them. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> they won't become another paying client. They only can be the, their own paying client.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, marketing is just the beginning. It's just the beginning of the relationship. It's yeah. not the end. Um, and I see this sometimes. And, and the thing is, when you do your marketing, whatever you're offering, make sure you have a a strategy set up in mind. Because I see sometimes, let's say, Somebody decides to do a groupon you know because new businesses like to do groupons, especially if you're in the um, in the fitness niche or you know like the health niche and massage because you know I live in San Diego, we have hundreds of those every day and and the thing is groupon should not be a way for you to get. Money because you 're desperate to get money, you know you offer a discount uh, let 's say you 're a fitness trainer, you offer a discount for your fitness training for four weeks for forty nine dollars okay let 's make it round fifty bucks right so that doesn 't mean they just come in and then they do go through the thing and you hope they will sign up for the regular membership no you you need to have some strategy behind it, so you you want them to come there on a specific specific day. Do an assessment, so you get their information, you understand what they want, and then you do kind of a soft style. And I've seen this done very beautifully by some, uh, some boot camps, you know, some of those uh, fitness facilities, and I've seen them done horribly. Um, when you, yeah, and because when you first meet a person, you cannot try and sign them up to go for your, you know, $150 uh, you know fitness program there's just no way because people don't know you they don't trust you they don't know this thing this thing works the one that i saw that was just so beautifully done was that this person will offer two more weeks for a dollar okay for a dollar so you, who wouldn't take up and you know instead of four weeks mm-hmm. six weeks for for a total of 51 dollars or if you go with my original 49 dollars it's complete 50 dollars right and then now you have a person's credit card information because that person's not taking cash. And then the, pers- the the trainer owner would say, well, if you would like to cancel it after the six weeks, just let me know. And, you know, no harm, no foul. But if you like to continue with that, then, you know, we'll just start doing recurring charges every month and and then but you need to select if you do do the recurring charges should do you want the one where you can only attend only in the morning time or do you want to be, have the free access which is $200 you know that sort of thing and they've already captured that person they're so they were so smooth about it that i mean because i'm a sales trainer so i saw that and i'm like whoa <laughs> this is you know this guy is smart and i was like blown away and yeah I did not I'm not taking credit for this idea but certainly the, you know most people you know if you if he's very uh, he's very confident in what he offers that it, it is something that will change your fitness level then you know most people would would hang out for a few more weeks or a few more months and it ends up being a very lucrative business for him, you know, and he bought a house from that, from his business. And, you know, I live in San Diego, so a house in San Diego is not cheap.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. uh, right. Yeah.
1: And and then now he's offering supplements, you know, so he grew – the business organically that way, and I think it's just a beautiful thing, but I've seen where it's really lousy where somebody wants to sign you up right away from the first day and then don't offer anything else, and then the gym's kind of dirty, and it's just kind of gross, and I'm like, oh, you know, (laughs) I'm not going to hang out, you know, at that gym. So think of it strategically.
0: Yeah, what you shared was so cool, how he how he did that with them mm-hmm. there, but when you were first talking about it, I thought just the assessment itself is so valuable because at that point, the trainer has an opportunity to say, you know, here's where you are, what are your goals? Yeah. You know, how long do you think that would take you to get there? You know, that's going to take me four 46 mm-hmm. months, you know. Well, then when you start talking about, and I'll give you an extra two weeks for a buck and then we can just do the recurring thing and then you can cancel anytime. You know, when you, when you go about it from the perspective of the client, which is always, Mm -hmm. always what we're trying to do it's not sleazy or scammy it is actually taking them exactly where they wanted to go but they had never maybe taken enough time to clarify in their own minds what this was going to take well it's going to take six months and here's the easiest way to do that okay I can offer Mm -hmm. that to you today and I can guarantee that you're going to have these results so I mean it's just it takes and again it goes back to you know you want to be able to sleep at night that you know that you're charging the right amount of money to the right people who need your services. And when you do that, there's congruence and there's a a sense of peace that you exude about your pricing, about your services and about the products or outcomes that they're going to have. And that goes across to your customers and they can feel that and they love that feeling. They actually really love doing business with someone they can trust and someone who's watching out for their good. So that's awesome. Well, we're going to come right back and talk about startup cost calculations and creative funding sources to help you get going.
2: We'll be right back. money troubles got you down visit www.godlywealth.com to discover the fastest way to financial peace you'll gain perspective biblical training and clear direction to help you move from terrified to triumphant it's all free and available to you online at www.godlywealth.com not only will you learn a balanced godly perspective about money but you'll also enjoy scripture set to music a wealth roster worksheet and much more all free and online at www.godlywealth.com That's www.godlywealth.com.
0: Welcome back. We're talking today about the seven keys to starting a profitable business with our special guest, Melan Isa of PlanningYourLeap.com. Melan, let's go ahead and start about or talk about startup cost calculations because there's always a lot of hidden costs when you do. I remember when we first when we bought our first house. You know, and we did. We spent like every penny available (laughs) to to get Uh this house of our dreams, and we still are in that house, and we love this house. But afterwards, we realized, oh, there's still closing costs, and you know. (laughs) And I think that that kind of gets you when you start a business too. You think you you think you've thought it through, and then, uh oh. Uh, There's more costs here than I was anticipating. So how do you help your clients to make sure that they aren't caught unawares of the uh, startup cost factors?
1: Well, again, we go back to what's the budget, you know, um, and what you're offering. So I kind of start out with balancing what they are wanting to spend and what's realistic or not, <laughs> you know, because sometimes you think, oh, I, I just want to spend $100 to start a business because I heard it somewhere that you can start a business $100, you know, it's like, okay, I, that would take a long time, but, <laughs> and a lot of, you know, a lot of time, uh, blood, sweat, and tears, that's, so you have to figure out where you're going to land on that one, but a startup class, to, to be honest with you, it really depends on what you want to do. I mean, if you and your skill set and. Startup cost doesn't necessarily mean cash. Uh, sometimes you can trade some things if you're really pressed for money. And uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that so I can just talk about the, the, the true money here. Um, the startup cost that you might want to think about, okay, your marketing, how much money are you going to spend on marketing? How And that includes not only if you decide to put ads out there, it also includes um, the effort that you're going to do on your website. And that includes possibly if you're going to do a business where you are going to go to networking events. There might be trade shows that you might want to participate in. So those are things that you have to think about. Now, this, is the one, this, this one cost is the one that you really, really need to consider, and I would, be, I would tell you to talk to your tax person, because if you're starting out as a W-2 person, and then you'll, you want to start a business, your entire tax situation is just going to change, <laughs> so, so, which means that in the past, where you will pay your taxes for yourself... Uh, you know that com- comes out from your wages, out of your paycheck. Well, you know those, t- those taxes that you pay for yourself. Now you have to double that because you have to think about the part that your employer pays when as an employee. So essentially, now you, you as a business owner, you're going to pay both your end of it and the employer. Side of it because you are essentially your own employee, so think of it. Think of it that way. Okay, so you don't freak out because it sounds like oh my god that is a lot of money, but it's not really because you have all the expenses that comes up in your um, as you're building your business. You have the the those expenses that you can deduct from what you're. Your um, earnings from your business. So this is when I would start talking in general terms, and I would say, you know, really, we need to talk to your tax person. And if you don't have a tax person, then we need to hook you up with one, uh, because there are other things that in, that involve in taxes, like if you have a spouse and you have a mortgage. That you know, that's just really more detailed than we could talk about on this show with money. <laughs> So does that help at all?
0: It does. So you you need to think about entities and again, you know, Mm a legal or, a tax consultant can help you with that. Do you want to be a sole proprietor and put it on your regular tax statement, or do you want to have a corporation? When you have yeah. any kind of property or things that people can sue you for, you probably want to have some type of of umbrella uh, corporation that you're under to be careful there. Um, yeah. You know, so you're going to have some legal fees uh, if you're going to set it up anything other than just like a really tiny business. You are really to want to going to want to set it up properly so you don't get mm-hmm. in trouble. There's just things like you know um just stationary like just your basic uh, you know a business card uh just things that are basic a brochure possibly you might need to have insurance you you might need to have uh you know some kind of a location to do it possibly you can do it out of your home uh you're going to have to have some kind of equipment, even if it's just a copier and a computer uh, You have to think about all of these different things and then of course you need you need some marketing funds uh, you need to have at least some set aside for that and the minimum I've ever seen is three uh, percent mail and what do you for marketing do you have a number or
1: i don 't because you know the it's so very yeah are, yeah, it's still so very, plus you know people have different ideas of how much they want to spend on marketing and and some people have more time, and some people have more money, and uh, some people can do gorilla you know, remember the days when they call it gorilla <laughs> marketing, <laughs> right right yeah. so so you could start you know exchanging uh blogs with somebody to create some interest in your product, you know, we go back to that yoga mat, you might want to. Um, start connecting with uh, bloggers who are in the health field. So that's a that's a free, somewhat free, uh, marketing way, to, you know, marketing uh, strategy. But it takes time. So it depends on you know the trade-off, time or money, when it comes to marketing.
0: Right. And, and what are some sources of funding? So if somebody can come up, let's say that their business plan um, calls for, mm-hmm. let's say, $35,000, which is a very low cost startup business. But if you had $35,000 to start your, your business idea, and you can come up with, let's say, 15000 Well, that leaves you $20,000 that you can't come mm-hmm. up with. What are some of the creative ways that people are able to start a business when they can't come up with all the funds themselves?
1: But, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's definitely hard to get funding these days, I think, uh, for small businesses, unless you have some experience behind you, in you know, and as well as um, some equity somewhere when it comes to traditional funding, like the SBA loans and things like that. Uh, it's always been kind of tough in my experience to get SBA loans anyways, because, you know, they do look at your net worth and, and things like that. Um creatively, uh, there are options out there uh, that are angel investors, but reaching out to angel investors can be challenging depending on what you're offering what your business is um, and when we are talking about your business, let's say it's just it's a uh, life coaching and things like that well it's it's going it's gonna to be tough to get an angel investor behind that um if you are looking for some funding that is lower in uh, in amount like really low there are michael michael um michael loaners. i guess you can call them and and that's uh, i think Kiva is one of them yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah, but they are michael michael you know and they tend to focus on more you know. Uh, of uh, businesses outside of the U.S., but I've seen them do, you know, for small business owners here in the U.S. as well in, as in Europe and Canada. You know, so it's not so much that they only focus on third world countries or developing countries. Um, but those are pretty micro; they're not very big, you know, fifteen thousand dollars or anything like that. But that's the source, That's the other option: is to go to to one of those crowdfunding. Websites, which is like the Kickstarter and the Indiegogo, the GoFundMe, but the problem the problem is uh, when I see somebody going to the crowdfunding website, is that they pick the wrong crowdfunding website, and um, and the fact that you, you know, just because you put something out there on one of those crowdfunding websites does not mean people are going to stampede over and give you money. You have to have a compelling service or project or product that you're offering, and and you have to also have the strategy behind it. Um, and I've seen some successful ones that I know personally, and I've seen some not successful way they got zero dollars personally also so I know some people who who got a lot of success made about four hundred thousand dollars for what he was um, promoting and it was a project that he started and he built excitement for the product first about what his project is what his idea was and then once it went up to kickstarter then he announced it to everybody he knew, and then behind that, there's a program where there are tiers of offering where if you donate or you fund it for $20, you'll get the, the product and then if you donate, oh, I'm sorry, you fund it for $100, then you'll get the product and maybe 15 minutes of its time, you know, so you have to be kind of creative on what you offer. And again, we go back and then now I want to talk about, you know, the different kinds of uh, platform for crowdfunding because some crowdfunding platforms are only about, creative projects and then there are ones that are more for the personal level so you can look at like GoFundMe. GoFundMe is one where somebody has a a dog that needs you know vet needs their vet bill to be paid for example. GoFundMe is a great place to do that but if you want to go Kickstarter it should be something more tangible and solid and something that people really want otherwise you're your project is not going to take off. Um, Indiegogo is is good for starting a business. In my opinion, Kickstarter not so much. Um, And when you do decide to go down the crowdfunding path, you just have to make sure that whatever you promise, you meet it. Uh, because people can shame you if you don't, if you, yeah, because if, if, let's say you you have an app, like you want to create an app that's a productivity app, for example, and you your target was to get $10,000 and you get that $10,000 plus some, let's say you, out of that, you got $15,000 and then you, your promise was that anybody who made the, the contribution will get the app for free, the the first. Mm-hmm. generation of that app for free. If you don't deliver and you you take the money and you don't deliver, trust me, people will start talking about you <laughs> so badly that you know, it's it's kinda of a shame. Your your reputation's down the drain. Sure, so you need right. Yeah, so you need to really, really think about it and not think of uh, Kickstarter or Indiegogo or, or any of those crowdfunding websites as free money. So even if you go to GoFundMe it better be a legit, <laughs> legit bill, right. not something you fake down, you know,
0: for somebody to
1: give you money.
0: Mel you know? and we have covered so much ground here, and we are almost out of time. So I'm going to h- encourage people: you need to go over and check out her website. It's PlanningYourLeap.com, Mel. And if people go over there, what are they going to find at that site?
1: Well, what they're going to find is I have resources page for the things that I would recommend, like the website, like the uh web hosting companies that I use, as well as there are webinars that I recommend and apps and software that's also um, links to my podcast and the the Friday episodes are excellent if you want to understand specific tools or strategy because I have experts come in and talk to me about it um, like the tax guy I had a tax guy the other day and I had somebody who was the expert in e-commerce so check that out and then of course that's the way for you to contact me if you have any questions and I'm always open to um, hearing you know any any questions that you have or maybe any concerns and I'll try to get back to you as soon as I can because I do get a lot of emails and if you want to work with me that's also the work with me page that you can check out and I do give discovery, free discovery sessions, but it's very limited because I don't necessarily have openings for actual paying clients, so I I do the discovery session even though I don't have openings just because I do want to help you out, so take advantage Mm -hmm. of that because it's available uh, for, you know, for a few hours a week, so just take a look at that.
0: Great, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. This hour has flown by and lots of great information, so thanks, Malin. Thank you so much, Marnie. Okay, and you have a great day. And you guys, I hope that you will have a great day. Thanks so much for joining us here today. And if you're listening live at BTR, thanks for being here. And if you're listening around the web at our syndicated stations or at uh, Stitcher or iTunes, thank you for tuning in. And we can't have a show without listeners, so thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next time on Marnie's Friends.